Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Warth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. A miracle in motion. And it's right here. Like, if you drive in the parking lot, just look over there. You'll see one of them. Uh, I'm pleased to report that next week we're going to be moving in our first two men into the home. And they are going to be pastoral interns. And so they have a calling upon their life to be used uh, by God. And one is already doing a weekly Bible study in the city of Wilmington. So we're setting the foundation for our home. So keep it in prayer uh, as we move forward with that. I want to encourage you this afternoon to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. We're going to be starting reading off of verses 10. As you're turning there. Be reminded that when we started off the year, we started teaching off subject of spiritual warfare. And so we have been learning about the spiritual realm. We have been getting equipped on how to affect the spiritual realm. uh, Because we really believe that if you're a Christian and you don't know how to affect the spiritual realm then you're just a sitting duck in, the, in this battle, this war that is going on. So every Christian needs to learn about the spiritual realm, in particularly our invisible spiritual uh, battle that is going on. And so I'm going to take you deeper into that subject today, and I'm going to be teaching from this subject, defeating demons, defeating demons. And so I would encourage you to pay extra focus on what we're going to be learning uh, this afternoon. And we're going to use as a springboard Luke chapter 13, verses 10. When everybody's there, say amen. It says, on a Sabbath, someone say Sabbath, Jesus was teaching, someone say teaching, in one of the synagogues. Someone say synagogues. By the way, Sabbath for the Jewish people was a Saturday. And the synagogue was a place of worship for the Jewish people. So on Saturdays, the Jewish people would gather in the synagogues, which is almost equivalent to a church for Christians. They would, they would gather to worship. And every now and then, uh, someone will ask me, they'll say, why don't you guys worship on a Saturday? Why don't you guys worship on a Saturday? And you know what my answer is? We do worship on Saturdays. We have a Whittier campus on Saturday nights. And not only on Saturday, we worship on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we got a lot of options to worship the Lord. So this synagogue that the Bible refers to as a Jewish house of worship. Now let's continue on. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Someone say 18 years. I want us to pause for a moment to kind of consider the weight that was on this sister's life. For 18 years, she suffered. For 18 years, She battled with a demon. For 18 years, she wrestled. For 18 years, she had this trial. That's a long time. That's a long time to have to wrestle with a demon. That's a long time to have to go through a trial. For 18 years. I'm not talking about one year. I'm not talking about two years. I'm talking about almost two years. Decades, And you know what the powerful thing is? She still went to church. She still went to the synagogue. She still went to worship God. She was suffering, yet she went to go worship the Lord. She was struggling, but she didn't allow the devil to kick her out of the house of God. 
She didn't have an Uber. She didn't have no bus. She was messed up, but she still got to the house of worship. Man, it rains outside and some of us don't come to church. It sprinkles sometimes and some of us don't come to church. But this lady didn't allow the devil to run her out of church. Can you imagine if she didn't show up to church that day? Can you imagine if she didn't show up to church that day? Can you imagine if she said, well, I've been suffering for 18 years. Uh, I've been praying for 18 years. God hasn't answered my prayer for 18 years. And I've been going to church. But you know, today I deserve to watch the Super Bowl. Can you imagine if she didn't go to church that day? She would have missed out on her miracle. But she persevered. And she endured. And now we're talking about her today. So go back to the scripture. It says she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. I love that about her testimony. She didn't take the blessing and run. I said, she didn't take the blessing and run. She didn't get her answer to prayer and run. But she, she came back to God and praised God. She worshiped the Lord. Listen, that's something to be talked about because some of us, the reason why we're not getting our blessing is because we can't handle the blessing. Some of us, the reason why God has not answered that prayer yet is because we can't handle the answer to that prayer. If we get that answer to that prayer, we're going to book. We're going to take off. We're going to run, and we ain't going to come back until that blessing has been expired. This sister shows us how to be blessed and still praise the Lord. How to be blessed and still go to church. How to be blessed and still worship the Lord. That's the true test. Not, not what you do when you don't have nothing to do. The true test is what do you do when you do got money in your pocket, when you do got a good job, when you do got a spouse, when you got good things happening in your life, will you still show up to the house of the Lord? She teaches us to persevere in praise. Now I want us to pause right there and use that as a springboard for our study this afternoon. We're going to learn from this lady who suffered for 18 long years, and in a nutshell, her testimony teaches us that no matter how long you've been suffering, there's still hope for recovery. That's what her testimony teaches us in a nutshell. No matter how long you've been wrestling, no matter how long uh, you've been having that trial, there is still hope for your recovery. And we need to remind ourselves of that regularly. We need to remind ourselves of that. You know why? Because sometimes we suffer for so long that we end up giving up hope. Sometimes we suffer for so long that we end up throwing in the towel. Sometimes we suffer for so long that we mentally give up. And so we need to be reminded that, that, that there is still hope for recovery. There's still hope for you to be blessed. There's still hope for God to answer your prayer. And you could, you could extend that out to your loved one. There's still hope for your child who may be wrestling with the devil right now. There's still hope for your, your, your daughter who may be out on the streets right now. There's still hope. And her testimony teaches us. And so we're going to learn from her testimony today. And there's a couple things that I want to bring out. The first thing that I want us to notice is that God's word ignited her deliverance. God's word ignited her deliverance. I, I get that from verse 10. Look what it says. It says, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Someone say teaching. I want you to notice that, that, that Jesus is teaching the word of God when she receives her breakthrough. There's, there's not a coincidence in that. That's not a coincidence that Jesus was teaching the word of God. I believe that Jesus was preparing the atmosphere for her miracle. I believe that Jesus was, was preparing her heart to receive from, from God. 
Because there's power in the word of the Lord. There's power in the word of the Lord. Now, often Jesus would teach the word first, and then he would minister deliverance. He didn't just go around healing uh, arbitrarily just anybody that he saw. Uh, uh, Typically, what he would do, he would preach the word, and then he would minister deliverance to the people. I want you to see that pattern uh, today. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching. Someone say teaching. Teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed. Someone say healed. He healed every kind of disease and illness. So notice the sequence. He teaches the word of God. And then he ministers healing. That's not a coincidence, by the way. What is he doing? He's preparing the heart to receive from God. And he does this over and over again. In Mark chapter 1, verse 39, it says that Jesus traveled throughout Galilee preaching. Someone say preaching. Preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So notice the sequence. He preaches, delivers. He preaches, delivers. He teaches, he heals. He teaches, he heals. That's not a coincidence. There's a connection between learning God's word and your healing. There's a connection between learning God's word and your deliverance. There's a connection, and I want to point that out in our study today. What's what's the connection? Well... God's word inspires faith for your deliverance. God's word inspires faith for deliverance. There's faith in God's word. There's faith in God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want you to envision every word from God is like a capsule that carries faith in it. And the more word you receive, the more faith you get in your heart. See, God is trying to prepare your heart to receive. You got you to be prepared to receive what God wants you to have or else the blessing will down you. And so the word pumps faith into our heart. It pumps faith into our life. In fact, one of the reasons why we gather every Sunday here at 10 a.m. and 12.30 is so that I can pump some faith in your heart. That's part of my role here is every time you come to church is to stuff your heart with faith. And, and you, you can't see it in the spiritual realm, but every Sunday as I preach this word right here, there's faith that is emanating from this pulpit and is strengthening your heart and is strengthening your mind. That's why you can leave this place and feel like Superwoman. That's why you can leave this face, place and feel like you can tackle the world. Because you sat up underneath the word of God. And the word of God strengthened your heart to believe and trust in the Lord. There's a reason why he was teaching the word when she received her deliverance. Also, I would, I would remind us that the word of God reveals the will of God. I would remind us that the word of God reveals the will of God. Why is that important? Because you need to know. How do you know that it's God's will to answer your prayer? How do you know that it's God's will to deliver you, set you free? How do you know this? Well, here it is. It's the word of God that reveals the will of God. You want a word from God? Get in your Bible. You want a word from God? You you itching for a word from God? Get in your Bible. The word of God is the will of God. If you don't obey the revealed will of God, how are you going to obey something else you think you got from God? You got to obey the revealed will of God first before you get something else from God. 
So God's will, word, reveals God's will. In particularly, Jesus' life and ministry revealed the will of the Father for this world and our lives. That means you could study the life and ministry of Jesus and everything he said and everything he did was a manifestation of God's will, the Father's will for our lives. Did you know that Jesus never said anything that he didn't hear the Father say? Jesus never did anything that he didn't see the Father do. And he testified about this over and over in John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus said, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So Jesus acted in line with the Father's will. He spoke in line with the Father's will. So when he delivered her, he revealed that the Father's will is for someone to be set free, to be delivered. So, so, so by him delivering her, he revealed the Father's will is deliverance for those who call upon the mighty name of Jesus. So God's word ignited her deliverance, but there's something else I want us to learn, that Jesus identified her true source of pain. Jesus identified her true source of pain, and I want you to follow along with me because the Bible takes us below the surface of her problem to reveal the source of her problem. The Bible takes us below the surface of her problem to reveal the source of her problem. I find it in verse 11. Listen to this. It says, a woman was there who had been crippled, get this, by a spirit. I want you to notice that phrase, by a spirit. Right there is where the Bible takes us below the surface of the problem to reveal the source of the problem. Right there. When it talked about being crippled, that was the surface of the problem. That was the physical manifestation of the problem. But when it talked about the spirit, it was getting down to the, to the root of the problem. And how many know that Jesus is our, our, our chief physician? How many know he knows how to diagnose us? And so I want you to note that Jesus doesn't diagnose her just physically, but Jesus diagnoses her spiritually. He diagnoses her spiritually. He goes beyond the fruit and gets down to the root. The problem is we tend to just mess with the fruit and we wonder why we never get true deliverance. It's only until you allow God to take you down to the root will you truly be delivered. So Jesus identified her true source of pain, and Jesus reveals that her real problem wasn't physical, but spiritual. That was her real problem. She was afflicted by a demon. She was afflicted by a demon. Now, to be clear, not all sicknesses are directly caused by demons. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. To be clear, not all your problems are caused directly by demons. So I want to be very clear about this. I'm going to say it again. Not all sicknesses are directly caused by demons. We live in a fallen world. We're subject to those things until Jesus comes back. Also, to be clear, not all your problems are caused directly by demons. Some of your problems are caused by your dumb decisions. Can I get a amen? We, we, got, we got to have a sermon series on dumb decisions. Some of your problems, they're not caused by demons. They're caused by your stinking thinking. And we talked about mindset, strongholds, and we're going to get back to strongholds. But remember, 
strongholds are the layers of lies that have been built up in our minds. So we dealt with the demon, but we didn't deal with the demon set up in our lives. We haven't been destroying the strongholds. And therefore, it's messing up our way of life because we're thinking the wrong way. So some of our problems is, is a result of our thinking. Some of our problems also are a result of our flesh. Our flesh. Your flesh likes to get you in trouble. And a lot of people don't like to deal with the flesh because the Bible teaches you have to crucify the flesh. And that hurts. That hurts. But my brothers and sisters, but my brothers and sisters, we must any struggles that we encounter that originate from a demonic attack. There are struggles that enter into our life that don't have a physical origin, but they originate from a demonic attack upon your life, maybe upon your marriage, maybe upon your family, maybe upon your kids. There is such thing as a demonic attack, especially if you have lifted up your hands to the Lord Jesus Christ, especially if you decided to serve Jesus, especially if you decided to do something significant with your life. Especially if you decide to serve Jesus, especially if you decide to dream for Jesus, you will be attacked spiritually and you need to understand your enemy. You need to understand your enemy. You got to understand your enemy. Now, I also want to be clear that if you hang around us long enough, you'll notice that I spend the bulk of my time teaching and preaching about the glory of God, the beauty of God, and the power of God. I really believe that as we see the beauty of God, the power of God, and the glory of God, we fall in love with God, and nobody has to tell us to serve Him. We'll get delivered as we fall in love with God and as we serve God. But every now and then, we need to talk about our enemy. Every now and then we need to pull the covers off of the enemy. For the Bible says we should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. So this is one of those days where it's important for us to have a basic theology of demons. A basic theology of demons. And I'm going to help you to understand what some of you have been fighting all along. So when you think about demons, let me help us to put our minds around what they are. Demons are wicked spiritual beings who operate to obstruct God's purposes. They're wicked spiritual beings, and they're set out to frustrate the will of God, to obstruct the will of God, to impede the plans of God from being manifested in this world. Demons hate the kingdom of God being manifested in this world. This is part of their mission. Also, demons are wicked spiritual beings who crave to possess physical bodies. So demons have this intense craving to be housed in a physical body. So they look, they look for people who will open up doors of their lives. He looks, they look for people who will crack open doors, maybe through messing around with witchcraft, maybe through messing around with methamphetamines, maybe through messing around uh, through certain types of movies. And, and he, demons look for people to crack open the door so that they can kick the door down and ultimately possess somebody and control somebody's life. Demons work as a spiritual mafia to harass God's people. Demons are like a, a spiritual mafia who harass. They, they try to harass God's people. They look for people who are trying to serve God. They look for people who are trying to protect their testimony. They look for people who are trying to give their lives to Jesus, and they try to harass them, try to steal their joy, trying to steal their peace, 
trying to steal what God is doing in their life. So you ask, how do I know? How do I know if I'm battling a demon or if I'm just going through a basic trial? Well, one of the signs is if something is regularly trying to steal your joy, then it may be a demonic attack. If something is regularly, persistently trying to steal your peace, then it may be something beyond a natural reason why. It may be a demon trying to rob you of the peace of God, rob you of the joy of God, because they're sent as a spiritual mafia to, uh, to tie up God's people. Come on, we're learning about the enemy today. We're not ignorant of his devices. And everyone who doesn't submit to God is under their dominating force. Everyone who does not submit to God is one way or another under their dominating force. And you can be a Christian, and if you don't submit to God in one way or another, the enemy can oppress you to do what you really don't want to do. In fact, the whole unredeemed part of humanity is in the force of a demonic grip. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches in 1 John 5, 19, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. My, 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 my. Look at that. This is what we're up against. This is why you don't pray as you should. This is why, this is what's fighting you from coming to church or, or being holy or trying to please God. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. When it says world, it doesn't mean the earth uh, as in the world. It's talking about the systems of the world. The systems of the world are against us. That includes the educational system, political system, the entertainment system, all the systems of the world work against the people of God. That's why you have to press into the things of God. That's why Jesus said, they that press in take it by force. We're fighting against this invisible spiritual blob that's pushing back against us and our families. Now, demons operate through deception, temptation, oppression, and possession. They operate through deception. The major weapon of a demon is a lie. The major weapon of a demon is a lie. And a demon works to plant a lie in your mind. And once he can plant that lie in your mind, he can control your behavior. You don't even have to know me. But if you allow him to plant a lie in your mind, it will affect your behavior toward me. And you don't even know me. You'd be surprised at how many people get mad at me and they don't even know me. <laughs> You'd be surprised. They use deception, it's lies. That's why we talked about protecting the mind, the helmet of salvation, right? We're protecting our minds. The enemy can get in your mind about your spouse, and next thing you know, you're tripping off your spouse because you allowed a lie to fester in your mind. In fact, when people ask me to describe spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare is by and large protecting your mind against lies. It's protecting your mind Against lies. So demons, they use deception. They also use temptation. Demons like to set traps. Some say traps. They like to set traps for particularly the people of God. And remember, traps don't look like traps. Traps don't look like traps. And so we got to pray for discernment. Lord, give us discernment. To identify the traps that enemies have placed in our life. Like there's traps that try to entice us. What are traps? It can be different things for different people. Everybody has a different inclination to something. But I'll tell you what. Demons have studied your entire life since you were born. They know your habits. They know what you like. They know what you do in the middle of the night. And they set up traps that you are inclined to do, and it's different for everybody. My weakness is not your weakness. Your weakness may not be my weakness, but they know. They set up traps. One trap can be, you know, you get a message through social media, and somebody says, I'm going through a rough time. Can you come and pray for me? Someone say trap. 
Oh, I'll go pray for you. Yeah, I've been waiting for an opportunity to pray. Where do you want to meet at? Let's meet at Starbucks. Oh, okay. Oh, no, let's meet up on the top of the hill in Long Beach. What? Oh, okay. Wow, what a beautiful scene of all of Long Beach. It's dark out here. I thought we were coming to pray. Hello? Hello? Anybody there? Got to pray for discernment. Discernment is key. I'm telling you, if you pray for anything, Lord, give me discernment because I need to figure out, is this joker real or not? <laughs> I got to figure out, is this joker real or not? He know how to put a suit on. He know how to cut it. He put three flowers in his hair. Uh, he smelled good. I need to figure out, Lord. I need discernment. So temptation, oppression. We, we use the analogy of shackles, right? That the enemy tries to put shackles on us. And when you have shackles, you, you, you don't have movement. You don't have range of movement. You can't, you can't move. You can't defend yourself, right? And, and I know ain't none of y'all ever been in shackles, but, but shackles ain't nothing like They hurt your wrist. And the, enemy, and the enemy tries to put shackles on us. And then the enemy tries to use possession, as we talked about. Those that have no uh, submission to God, no reverence from God. And, and the enemy wants to take full control of a life. And it's, it's, it's fascinating because demons also have personality traits. They're like people without bodies. They're like people without bodies. And when you study uh, about demons in the Bible, you'll learn that they have a will. They have a will. They're able to decide. They're able to decide. In Matthew chapter uh, 12, verse 44, when Jesus talked about a demon, the demon said, I will go back to my home where, from which I came. He's able to decide. Demons also have emotions. They have emotions. James uh, says that demons tremble. They tremble. The Bible teaches that demons hate God. That's emotion right there. We got to be careful too. Because it seems to me that demons feed off unchecked emotions. We got to be careful. Because as human beings, we're emotional beings. And, and listen, by themselves, emotions are, are a gift to us from God. Emotions have their purpose. They help us to experience life more fully. They, they help us to respond to life. Like if you put your hand in the fire, you better say ouch. Because that's an emotion right there. When you're enjoying a blessing, right, you say, man, this is a good season of my life. And emotions help you to experience life fully, but they're not meant to lead you. You get in trouble when you allow your emotions to lead your relationships, lead you at work, lead you at school. And we got to be careful because demons tend to feed off unchecked emotions. They're attracted to unchecked emotions and they escalate the problem that we get into. And also demons, they are able to speak. The Bible talks about that over and over again that they're able to speak. I remember, uh, I don't really talk about this often. I didn't write about this in my book, but since we're talking about spiritual warfare, I remember on the day of my crime in 1992, regretfully, when the gun was pulled out in my crime and an individual that was with me said, should we shoot at them? Should we shoot at them? I remember I heard a voice say, do it. And it wasn't from an individual. I heard a voice say, do it. And I don't know if it was the, uh, my sinful nature saying that or if it was a demon saying that. But I know I heard a voice say, do it. And it affected my decisions that day. Demons can speak. And they also have names as well. The Bible identifies several demons by name. But generally speaking, there's demons of lust. There's demons of anger, there's demons of jealousy, there's demons of hatred, there's, there's demons of envy, there's demons of fear. So, so how do you know if you're wrestling with a, a demon of lust or you're just wrestling with the 
basic kind of trial of lust because everybody at some point in time got to wrestle with lust, right? How do you know the difference? Is it a demon or is it just a flesh thing that you're wrestling with? Well, the sign is that if you just can't seem to get free, if you can't seem to break free and it's happening over and over again, then that's a sign you may be wrestling with a demon that's trying to lock you up. This reoccurring, reoccurring battle and you can't break free, it is a sign that you may need extra help in your life to be set free. Now, many scholars believe that demons originated from being fallen angels. Uh, Many scholars believe that when Lucifer got kicked out of heaven, who himself was an angel, Uh, that he deceived one-third of the angels, and those angels became the demons that are in the world today. In fact, Jesus said, he said he saw uh, Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's a powerful revelation right there. He said he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Can you imagine that scene right there? Satan didn't trip out of heaven. He didn't stumble out of heaven. He was booted out of heaven. And Jesus said he saw it. It's amazing that he saw Satan get kicked out of heaven. And demons, they usually like to operate undercover or in disguise. Usually. Demons like to operate undercover, and in disguise. In fact, the Bible says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Key word, disguises himself. That's, that's usually how demons like to operate. They disguise themselves. They like to hide. They don't like to, they don't like to manifest themselves. They like to hide in the dark. And that's why that, that if you don't utterly thoroughly deal with the demon that is messing with your life, he'll just back down and hide until you think you're okay. Did y'all catch that? They like to hide. They like to disguise. And that's why if you don't utterly and thoroughly deal with that demon that has been wrecking your life, what they do is they'll hide in a corner and wait until you think you're okay. And all of a sudden, you'll put your guard down, and when you put your guard down, they'll pop back up, and you're back in the vomit from which Jesus delivered you from. So we got to be aware that demons typically like to disguise themselves. They typically like to hide. But it's interesting that... We're living in a generation where demons are becoming more and more blatant on display. We're living in a generation where demons are unremorseful. I don't know, that's not the right word, but they're they're not they're blatantly on display. They're they're not ashamed to to show themselves. And I like to believe it's because we're living in the last of the last days. Because we're living in the last of the last days, by the way, which is an honor and a privilege that God has called us to live in the last of the last days, to be a part of this generation that is battling against the forces of darkness. But we're living in this time where where demons are blatantly on display, right in front of us, right on TV, right in society. It's interesting. On January 2nd, God orchestrated in his sovereignty an impromptu nationwide prayer service during an NFL game that was broadcasted on TV. In God's sovereignty... Sovereignty means that he reigns over everything. They said that the football player, Damar Hamlin, died on the field. He fell over and he died. And God, being a specialist 
in turning bad into good. He called a nationwide prayer service on the spot. And the moment that Damar fell over and died, everybody started to pray. Everybody started to pray. Millionaire athletes who probably partied the night before fell to their knee in prayer. Atheists begin to pray. People that don't even believe in God begin to pray. Billionaire owners of teams whispered a prayer in that moment. I want to show you uh, this picture. Newscasters who don't even believe in God stopped their news and said, you know what? I got to pray and I'm not ashamed. I'm going to bow my head and I'm not going to whisper this. I'm going to say it out loud and I'm going to pray. Atheists prayed, millionaire athletes prayed, billionaires prayed. Ain't nothing like pain to teach you how to pray. Ain't nothing like pain to teach you how to pray. And God, uh, turning bad into good, called for a nationwide prayer service through that NFL game. Man. And thank God uh, DeMar Hamlin is okay today. Praise the Lord for that. It's fascinating because on January 5th or February 5th, a month after the nationwide prayer service, on February 5th, Satan counterattacked God's move. And to everybody's surprise, and to many people's shock, Satan countered with a blatant display of demons dancing on the Grammy Award show. It was so blatant display of demonic activity. It was a satanic spectacle for all to potentially see. It was a public tribute to Satan. And it happened a month after the nationwide prayer service. Huh. January? February. Uh, uh, ain't no coincidence. Ain't no coincidence. Satan countered what God was trying to do. And he put on display demonic activity. The good news is, my brothers and sisters, is that God always wins in the end. The good news is that God always wins in the end. This is checkers, not checkers. This is chess. It's chess, not checkers. You know, I learned, I learned that 10 million people watched the Grammy Awards show. You know how many people watched the prayer service on the NFL? 23 million people watched it. Listen, we're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. And Satan may counter what God is doing, but he always comes up short. He always comes up short. The lesson is, my brothers and sisters, is that we cannot fight spiritual attacks with physical responses. We can't fight Spiritual attacks with physical responses. You can't fight a demon by getting a college degree. You can't fight a demon by getting a new job. You can't fight a demon by getting a raise at your job. If you think getting a raise is going to make you happy, it's not. You can't fight a demon by getting mad at the culture. Jesus modeled for us how to deal with demons. Jesus modeled for us how to deal with demons. And before we try to go to take on the world, we got to look to what Jesus did as our model. And what's fascinating is that when Jesus came on the scene, he immediately demonstrated power over demons. He immediately demonstrated power over demons. In fact, he started his ministry off with serving demons notice. 
In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives, here it is, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed, here it is, will be set free. He immediately serves demons' notice. And then when you study his life, it appears that he goes after the demons. He goes after the demons in Mark chapter 1, verse 39. It says that Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. He modeled for us how to deal with demons. He served them notice that the kingdom of God has arrived, that the power of God has arrived. And then in the middle of his ministry, when Herod tried to intimidate Jesus, to threaten Jesus so that he would stop his ministry, Jesus responded by double downing on his mission. In Luke chapter 13, verse 32, it says, Jesus replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. He doubled down. He doubled down. He said, go tell that fox. That word fox does not mean foxy. He called him a low-down, dirty dog. He said, go tell that dog. I will keep on driving out demons. He modeled for us how to deal with demons. And in the coming weeks, we're going to learn about our authority and power as believers in Jesus. That Jesus has given us his name that gives us the authority, the permission, the power, the ability to deal with the demons and the darkness that is trying to overwhelm us. In, in, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to learn more about our authority and our power to deal with demons. We're going to learn how Jesus said, these miraculous signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. We're going to learn. We're going to learn our position in Christ, our authority in Christ, our power in Christ. But for today, for today, I want to just remind us, you're on the winning team. You're on the winning team. You're on the winning team team. As you go into this week, don't be afraid. As you go into this week, don't back down. As you go into this week, don't, don't, don't shrink back. You're on the winning team. We are on the winning team because Jesus is our captain. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our King of kings and Lord of lords. You're on the winning team, my brother and my sister. We are on the winning team. Let's, let's bow our heads this afternoon. With every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to reflect upon the word of the Lord this afternoon. I want us to think about what God said through this message. What was God trying to get across to you? What was he thinking? What, was, what does he want you to start thinking about? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is our time of reflection and meditation. every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to give a couple options this afternoon. 
If there's anybody here who has not surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's anybody here who is not serving Jesus and you want to commit your life to the Lord, you want to submit to the authority of Jesus today, if there's anybody here who needs to be saved, needs to be committed, we want to pray with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we remain in atmosphere of prayer. If you're here today and you need to surrender to the Lord for the first time or rededicate your life to the Lord, you need to surrender to Jesus, just I invite you to stand up on your feet so I can pray with you right where you're at. If there's anybody here who needs to surrender to the Lord, hallelujah, I see you. Hallelujah, I see you. We'll wait a couple moments. I see you in the back. I see you need to surrender to the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I see you in the back. We'll wait a couple moments. You need to surrender to Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. For those of you who stood up, I want you to look at me for a moment. I'm going to give you some instructions, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in prayer. You stood up as an indication that you want to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You stood up as an indication that you're saying, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for me, that he rose from the grave to set me free. You stood up as an indication saying, I commit my life to the Lord. I commit my life to the Lord. I want to serve Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, and then I'm going to pray over you. But I want to encourage you that this is just the beginning of your new journey. It's not the end. This is the beginning of your new journey with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you. This is just the first step. Serving the Lord is a series of steps that you got to take. Steps include praying in the morning. Steps include reading your Bible. Steps include getting involved in church, getting involved in a Bible study, serving a church. Those steps are not for your salvation. Jesus purchased your salvation, uh, but those steps are for our commitment to the Lord, to grow stronger in the Lord, to develop in the Lord. And this is just the beginning of your journey, and it's an exciting journey. It's an exciting journey. It's the best journey I've been on. It's the best decision I ever made. And so I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender, and then I'm going to pray over you. So let's bow our, our heads and our hearts. and Just say this prayer with me from your heart. Lord God, I am sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me. Today, I repent for my sins. I turn from my sins and I submit to you, Jesus. I submit to you as my Lord. I submit to you as my Savior. I believe that you died for me and rose from the grave for me. Help me, Jesus, to serve you. Help me, Jesus, to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me pray for all those who stood up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who stood up. I pray, Father God, that you fill them freshly with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father God, that you, Father God, steer them up in such a way that they continue to take steps towards you, Father God. 
I pray that you give them a, a craving for your word, a craving for your spirit. I pray that you give them a craving for the house of worship. I pray that you give them a craving for holiness. Father, I pray for all those who stood up, Lord God. Help them to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. You may be seated. God is good all the time. Did you learn something today? Amen. Let's, let's welcome Pastor Martin as he leads us. Give it up for Pastor Martin. Come on, give the Lord some praise. God is good. Amen. As we transition to our giving this afternoon, I want to read something out of the book of Genesis, chapter 14, verse 20. But it's going to come with a little story. In Abram, returning from the slaughter and rescuing of his nephew Lot, Melchizedek, king of Salem, came out to meet him. Abram, from the spoils they retrieved, honors Melchizedek, giving 10%, somebody say 10%, of all before tithing even became law. Abram honored Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek in the Bible is the high priest of the Lord, of the Most High God. Scholars believe Melchizedek is a type in shadow of Jesus Christ. In Genesis 15, 1, after all of this happened, this is what the word of the Lord says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now, Melchizedek means righteousness. Salem means peace. This is before Salem would become Jerusalem. Amen? He says to Abram, I am. Now the word I am is a declaration of his power, authority, and divinity. Is it okay if we learn something? Abram gave to God 10% before it even became law in the Bible. He honored the Lord with everything that he had. He honored him. As we get to honor God this morning with our finances. I want to give to God what rightfully belongs to Him. As you prepare your hearts, as the ushers come forward, I want to read some of the announcements that we have this afternoon. We have the ability to give by debit machine in the lobby. We can also scan to give. If you have a smartphone, which everybody does, you can also scan to give that way. Most of our family gives online, chapelofchange.org, or there are envelopes behind your seats that you can give that way as well. We have our all-church boiler room coming up. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. We're going to come together as the body of Christ and we're going to pray and believe God to move mightily, not only in our families, but in this church as well. Amen? And that'll be here in Paramount on the 23rd at 7 p.m. So prepare your hearts. Put it on your calendar so that you can come and join us. We have our youth winter camp. We need sponsors. We need you guys to be able to financially provide for the young men and women that God is building up in this ministry. Amen? I believe there are pastors in our young people. I believe there are ministers of the gospel in our young people. God has a plan and a purpose for their life as well. Amen? So do me a favor. See Brian Castillo or Teresa Castillo. They will be in the lobby. And so, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because of who you are, that you are our continual provider. 
and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Ushers, you are released. invite our pastors and leaders to the altar it's our tradition uh, to close out with a blessing after we close out if you need extra prayer you're invited to the altar and one of our pastors and leaders will be available to pray for you but don't forget every Thursday night at 715 is our midweek worship service we invite you back this Thursday, 7.15, the adults worship here in the sanctuary. We have children's ministry and youth ministry on Thursdays too, and our death church meets as well. So let's lift up our hands unto the Lord, and we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father, who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son, who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, who fills you with power, May you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday. Go in peace.